This episode is brought to you by Allstate. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings vary and are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Going for your first ever run around the park. Literally running errands all over town. Running for the finish line and your personal best. If you run, you're a runner. Find the shoes and clothes to run your way at newbalance.com slash running. New Balance. Run your way. We got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So, what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Woohoo! We're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5, get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. It goes down in the deal. It go down. It go down in the deal. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Brilliant! Jeez! He's round the goalkeeper! He's done it! Absolutely incredible! He launched himself six feet into the crowd and Kung Fu kicked a supporter who was without a shadow of a doubt giving him lip. The peerless Revista de la Liga studio design, Spanish football club name prefixing conventions, pointlessly displaying the match clock in two separate 45 minute periods, bad news for the Spanish Dave Besson, Joan versus Fran, the left back dilemma, the inevitable Joaquin, a 7 out of 10 Ruben Baraka story, pretty playmakers, just which ageing Basque goal getter do we want, the Estadio David Caminante and Charles of the Big Hill. Brought to your ears by Goalhanger Podcasts, this is Football Clichés and the Pure La Liga 11. Hello everyone and welcome to Football Clichés. I'm Adam Hurry and with me to select the pure La Liga 11 is a bumper selection panel for you. First up, Charlie Ecosher. Buenos dias. Hello. To keep things ticking along, to make sure we don't dawdle between midfield and defence, between the lines, David Walker. 
Hello. Hello. Yeah, I thought I'd get involved in this one because mm. after um, years of sitting here producing the many elevens that we've done, I often find myself sitting there getting annoyed at some of the choices that you make. So I'm here to uh, potentially adjudicate and step in if you uh, if you get kind of getting any quandaries about who should be selected. A handy role as well because if there's one thing I don't like about doing these episodes, as brilliant as they are, it's having to offend various guests by saying I don't like their decision. I'm going to go with mine instead. So it's good to have that. Decision isn't taken out of my hands completing the lineup a specialist voice he, he speaks portuguese which i guess is close enough it's jack lang third appearance for you hi yeah it's close enough that i basically just can fluff interviews with spaniards fantastic I can you actually speak spanish can you have you got any spanish in you? i've got i've got like low level spanish yeah but then okay. i just randomly drop a few portuguese words in and usually make some laughs so it loosens <laughs> loosens them up a bit <laughs> 112-day streak on Portuguese Duolingo here. Wow. Why Portuguese? Just thought it was cooler than all the other ones. It is. I mean, it is, yeah. yeah it's beautiful. I'm really struggling with the um, plural verbs. But other than that, it's a breeze. It's not that difficult. Don't be so proud of yourself after all. <laughs> um, before we get stuck into this 11, though, I have a very brief panel de adjudicacion to run through for you. A little midweek selection. First up, a subject dear to our hearts on this podcast, I think. This is um, Wrexham's late winner against Sutton United on Tuesday night, as heard from behind the goal. Charlie, a, a lovely progression from a classic, you know, we've had a, we've had multiple go-ons before, but we haven't had mm. a hit it in unison before. And that was <laughs> it was really well coordinated, really lovely syncing. Yeah, there's a certain desperation that comes, doesn't it, with a late goal as well. I don't know if it would be if it would have quite that same tone earlier on in the game, but yeah, you can you can just feel it coming from the the, the plural fans who say it. Jack, what is the archetypal hit it situation what would make a, a fan impulsively shout that I guess it's quite a bit like sort of Gerard Olympiakos kind of scenario where the ball falls to them in a presentable scenario that isn't that isn't a clear-cut chance ball dropping to midfielder who has stayed out of the box at a corner I would say yeah it usually ends up pretty high and wide <laughs> <laughs> yes true it's not the same concept Dave precisely as urging to shoot because urging to shoot is when a player has a lot of time on the ball and and has that has that thought process to weigh it up themselves and the crowd joins in this is purely impulse this is this is split second decision yeah and and in this example it's because it, it's genuinely on like the best thing to do in that scenario was to shoot whereas as you say urging people to to shoot often is when it's the worst thing they could do yes agreed so it's, yeah it's it's not have a go. Necessarily the best decision. Yeah, have a go. Okay, next up, this came from the BBC's report of Leicester's win over Sunderland on Tuesday night. Sammy Owens says, uh, interested in your views on this. Leicester City overcame a stubborn Sunderland side to move eight points clear at the top of the championship table, Charlie. Um, the only goal of the game came in the 12th minute. Yeah, I, I, I saw this. Um, I think you can still be stubborn, even if you concede early, because I think in, in a way... It, it showcases your stubbornness because when you score early, I mean, I don't know how this game played out, but I think you can be like, okay, great. We've scored early. They're going to come out. We're going to have some spaces behind us. And they're like, no, we're going to keep doing exactly as we would have done had it been nil-nil or had we scored, which is quite annoying. Like a secondary stubbornness. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I I mean, obviously 
they weren't stubborn enough not to concede. But I still think there's a stubbornness in not changing what you're doing. That's very stubborn, isn't it? Conceding and then still staying there. Exactly. It's almost more stubborn. (laughs) If if, if, uh, obstinate. If one of their players can say, we're still in this for best part of 80 minutes, I'm going to give it stubborn. I I agree with Charlie. Okay, so second degree stubbornness. Okay, um, respect to the BBC, um, a great institution, and they've got it right here, Dave. Yeah, you know, I completely agree. I understand the question because on the f- at face value, maybe you would think, like you say, it doesn't quite work, but I, th- I do agree with Charlie's uh, thorough explanation there. Right, last of all on the adjudication panel today, um, I demanded this audio and I got it. This is from Lewis Ambrose, who is watching the German TV coverage of Arsenal's Champions League win at Sevilla. Gabriel Jesus in den ersten beiden Spielen in der Gruppenphase hat er jeweils getroffen. Könnte der erste Arsenal-Spieler seit 2011 werden, der in seinen ersten drei Champions-League-Spielen trifft. Jetzt dürft ihr alle mal raten, wem das gelungen ist. Ich musste auch selbst dreimal drauf schauen, ob das stimmt. Und dann lachen, wenn ich ehrlich bin. Das war Marwan Schamak. The streets will never forget. But much like footballers' names suddenly appearing in popular culture, Jack, um, English phrases appearing in foreign commentary will always strike a chord with me. I was gone at just out of nothing. Das war Marouane Jamak. That was that was enough for me. Just like the appearance of a, a recognisable name out of that. But yeah, I mean, I, I assume we don't want to get into the uh, the rating of the streets will never forget. But just the appearance of that phrase, you've got to imagine a lot of Germans would have been puzzled by that don't know maybe maybe it's more universal than we thought charlie but no let's do dig into this how streets won't forget he is marouen shamak i don't <laughs> think he's particularly i think the streets will forget yeah if i think, they, they, I think if, they already have if gone. he was ever really on their radar <laughs> i think yeah. he is genuinely quite forgettable hair aside yeah yeah um, quite literally yeah um, uh, yeah i dave surprisingly you know given the richness of the football language of German. I'm surprised they don't have their own phrase for this. They don't have Unvergesslichstraßen, which I think would work really well. Yeah, I, I was thinking the same thing. They, they, they do tend to have uh, phrases for these sorts of things. Was he playing? Was he in the stands? No, what, I, I why think he, what why it was, come up? I saw this on Opta yesterday that Jesus, if he scored, which he did, he'd become the first Arsenal player in the Champions League group stages to score in the first three group games. So I imagine okay. he was, when he did score, he said he's the first player to do this since name and the streets won't forget very very lads mentioned it to me in the dressing room beforehand stats <laughs> yeah. that one. i was gonna say reassuring that german commentators also just parrot opt to tweet straight back out as well <laughs> absolutely absolutely uh but dave i do sympathize with you because i did actually have to you know have a quick double check to make sure shamak wasn't playing up front for Sevilla at the age <laughs> of 43 <laughs> but it passed it Wouldn't what it a segue passed. into the la liga 11 that is <laughs> yes and let's do the pure La Liga 11. Um, some cynics got in touch before this recording and said it, it won't match the heights of the Serie A 11. There isn't enough layers to the kind of televisual nostalgia of it. Jack, I disagree. Revista, in its in its own low-key way, is up there with um, Gazetta. I think it has its own kind of idiosyncrasies that everyone seemed to enjoy. It just wasn't quite for the wider audience. Yeah, I agree with that. I think, I mean, for me personally... It was, it, it kind of chronologically came after the Serie A obsession because uh, I remember 
catching the odd La Liga game and the odd episode of Revista at like an uncle's house or something. But it was, you know, because it wasn't on terrestrial, it was slightly more, there was a mystique to it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, just the first thing I alighted on was just that studio and the effort that went into it. I'm not sure how Spanish, I think we need to decide how Spanish that was because <laughs> I, there, I think there are certain signifiers, but it also <laughs> looks like a very kind of English style bar with a few <laughs> drinks. <on it. laughs> That's the danger. That's the danger when you build a studio in Isleworth. It's going to look like a simulacra of an actual tapas <laughs> bar, Charlie. Um, in my, I did a bit of research in the build up to this about that studio and um i found i found a blog by someone who was doing a work placement at sky circa 2010 and they they took a surreptitious photo of the uh, revista studio and and it's it's zoomed out just enough so you can see the, the you know the kind of the gantries and stuff behind it and when you see it you know taken out of its context it looks oh it, it does look quite sad actually it's just, the fun. walls are just like sort of 7 foot high and you can see behind them it's like oh no it's not real <laughs> That's funny because I'm just looking at a picture of it now. And yeah, I do. Uh, I can see what you mean. I mean, they've they've kind of gone for it. There's sort of the, the right sort of. It's like a sitcom set. It's badges great. in these. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it's just like that. They yeah. should have had a huge studio audience yeah. clapping, clapping along with Guillaume Balaguer and the lads. I they also think... had the music, the Spanish music, didn't they? Yeah. Of, when they went back in after the ads, little yeah. touches like that. Little sort of, yeah, sort of tw- yeah, little twinkling guitars mm. in the background. <laughs> yeah, it's very bullfighty, wasn't it? Um, Dave, a quick one, though. In, in, all, in the great landscape of menial TV production jobs, don't you think sort of dressing the Revista studio must be right up there as one of the coolest jobs to have? Well, in, in many ways ahead of its time, if you look at the, the picture that we're all looking at now, when it's got all the sort of paraphernalia in the background, there's a, there's a Barcelona shirt, there's some kind of club pendants, there's photos f- framed and stuff. But it, that's what, you know, these days, that's what everyone's got in the background now on your Zoom background for, for TV interviews. It's class. Um, more of this kind of thing. Really? Does it still exist, I wonder? Is it still there on a back lot? Oh, God, I hope Just so. Just there. God, I hope so. <laughs> That's, That's a stag do waiting to happen. <laughs> <laughs> no, budget didn't stretch to a hamon, though. Like, that would be mm. the Just ultimate. on the bar? Yeah, come on. Oh, God. Uh, I, um, during our enforced summer hiatus, I went on holiday to... Um, uh, North Devon, in, in the height of the summer heat, and I took a whole six kilogram ham on with me and tried to consume it in the space of a week. I got nowhere near. Why? Not to go macateer, but why? Uh, my brother got it for me for my birthday. Uh, <laughs> such, such, a, such an afterthought present. Ah, oh, fuck it, I'll get him a big ham. <laughs> and I had to Do watch. you like big hams particularly? I, th- I thought I did in theory. I thought okay. I did change my mind after that week uh <laughs> jesus um, what a waste of ham that was by the way um moving on to the kind of wider cultural impact of um sky sports's coverage of spanish football in particular lots of unique voices we've heard on their coverage uh jerry armstrong of course terry gibson who's a, a very puzzling choice but it is what it is scott minto of course latterly the presenter of revista rob palmer the commentator dave is very synonymous with spanish football for me it, in English broadcasting sense. So much so that there's a YouTube compilation out there called Lionel Messi feet Rob Palmer bullet point iconic commentaries pipe symbol HD. And it's so good. It really is really good. So I, I didn't realise how synonymous he was, certainly with Lionel Messi's career, but he is. Well, I suppose it was like a really nice gig to have because 
in in one sense, it's kind of like you know, probably sitting in a booth. They're not at the games. They're doing it from the Sky Studios or whatever. And it's kind of like, who can we? You know, it's not Martin Tyler, right? You're not putting Martin Tyler on the Sunday night La Liga game. But also, it's like quite prestigious. You know, you, you, this guy's commentating on Messi and the, the Guardiola team in their absolute pomp, the El Clasicos, like as as we've seen from the uh, the YouTube tributes, like. He was he was calling some of the most iconic games. And a word also for Kevin Keatings. Yes. More than played his part. Yeah. I I didn't think of him as in for the Lang role for this. I should have done. Um, <laughs> lucky I can, Lang. I can nip out, honestly. <laughs> do, <laughs> do you have a number for call. Kevin Keatings, Jack? Um, right. Okay, let's get on to the, the, the specific ethos of this 11, please, Jack. What kind of vibe are you going for? Before we get stuck into the real names, what kind of vibe are we after here? I mean, my list... It's a very long list. It's very, it's very weighted towards the attack. I have to say, and I wonder if that tells us something about the. Uh, I don't know. We kind of, I kind of turned to La Liga back in the day for kind of. It was a, a heightened quality over what we were used to. I think there's very good, one club man content to La Liga. Uh, I think we're going to have a, quite a few of them. And I mean, I've just got a lot of players that I can kind of picture. And I can maybe picture one or two things they were good at and I know nothing else about them. And I'm delighted to have it that way. Like it's kind of, uh, I suppose, I suppose that limited exposure that you get from just watching one game a week or a magazine rap. So like, the kind of players that you would quote to a mate in a bar if you were talking about remembering Spanish football, there's a lot of them for me. That's perfect. And, and you know, it can be that superficial if it has to be. That's not a problem. That's what the point of this episode is supposed to be. Charlie, quick question for you. Uh, what is your favourite Spanish club prefix? Deportivo, Real, Atletico, Racing, Sporting, UD, CF, RC, RCD, CA, AD, SD, UE or CE? I, I, like, I remember finding out that Real didn't mean real, uh, but meant royal. And that was quite, you know, that was an early sort of additional bit of appeal about the Spanish league. You know, you'd learn little bits of info like that. Um, So I'll go Real. Okay. Um, Fair enough. Fair enough. Not sure what my two-letter abbreviation would be, Dave, of choice. I like an SD. Nice. I'm a a Deportivo man myself, I think. Good. Jack? I mean, I I like a Racing because I don't think not many of them out there. Yeah, classy. Yeah, evoking a different sport, I think, mm. is classy. I think, yeah, it gives you depth, gives you texture. Uh, right, let's set the scene. You know, what we're talking about here, I want an essentially quite nice and flat pitch, but with slightly patchy grass for no reason mm. whatsoever. Uh, I want this 11 to be endlessly reported on on Spanish sports radio stations, bafflingly proliferate Spanish sports radio stations. Cadena Ser. Cadena Ser. Yeah. If any of us get injured, I want I want it to be reported on the club website in bafflingly dense medical language. <laughs> <laughs> and and I want the running time for this episode to be displayed in two 45-minute periods, pointlessly, instead of 0 to 90. That was weird. Yeah. Yes. What is the point? Why the two, are you doing it differently? The 2T... Yes. And like 37 minutes gone. How long's gone? <laughs> I'm only nine years old. But, you know, this people have been puzzled about this for a long time, Charlie. There cannot be the same bafflement in the other direction. They cannot be stopped. They cannot cover here for a weekend and watch Premier League football on Sky and go, <laughs> why do they do it 0 to 90? Oh, I'm very confused. <laughs> How I many minutes into the second half are we? Who Ridiculous. cares? Well, there's a whole generation of fans who's bafflingly really good at adding 45 to other numbers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, it was an initiative with the Spanish government. Yep. Right. Last of all, 
Um, a word from listener Aaron Kernahan, who says, my team is just going to end up being a combined Valencia slash Deportivo 11 circa 2000, 2006. That could be the danger. Yeah. That could I, be the danger. But I do, think, I do think that's an important point because the, in me, my, li- my long list, I, I was trying to think, I think they should be synonymous with what they've done in La Liga, which for me means, you know, like the, the Barca team that were winning Champions League, to me, they're, they're bigger than that. They transcend that. The Galacticos, to some extent, transcend La Liga. I think what's so good about those teams, I know Valencia did well in Europe as well, and, and Deportivo had some decent runs, but it was, uh, it was more what they did domestically that made them special. Okay, right. In honour of the great Mr. Revista himself, the great David Bobin, let's get started. Um, In goal, I only have one name here. I mean, it's not like Spanish football has been lacking in sort of seven out of ten goalkeepers for the last 20 years. But Charlie, I'm I'm going to throw it straight in. I want to go with the Spanish Dave Besant, and that's Santiago Canizares. Yeah, so he was on, I've got two really. Canizares was one of them you know, so La Liga. I guess he also, he did a bit in Europe and he had the World Cup after shave, missed the World Cup, didn't he, because of that. So he's known a little bit. I think he's a great shout. My other one is Diego Lopez, who is firmly in what Jack was saying of, I know nothing about this guy. I know he played for a load of clubs. I only know him. Like, I have no idea how good he was. I only know saving expert? Maybe. <laughs> Quite possibly. He was just always there, always around. So just so La Liga for me. Uh, I've Jack. also got Diego Lopez, uh, mainly for the fact that he played for Real Madrid for like seven years and barely played, like went out on loan, went and was good somewhere else. Then they brought him back and he suddenly became, you know, Real Madrid's number one. Big fan of that. Was that he the guy of, who, Casi- who Mourinho dropped Casillas for? Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I just stylish wearer of gloves. I've got, got a, those always big white gloves, you know, someone who just embodies the glove well disproportionate number of short sleeve goalkeepers i would say spain i mean before it became de rigueur i would say that they set the trend very hot isn't it yeah (laughs) (laughs) can't have sweaty forearms that's true um yeah interesting and jack this is a very important point you made about the sort of redemption arc for diego lopez redemption arc so i think there might be a recurring theme in this in this because players who get discarded by one of the big guns or, or fail in the Premier League, for example, go back to Spain and are good again. Um, so this this might pop up again. Dave, are you happy with Diego Lopez then? Uh, I think of the two, I, I I wouldn't have been familiar with Diego Lopez, which I think showed, you know, I, I wasn't I wasn't a man who had Sky during this era, right? So I, my knowledge of La Liga from this time period is probably a little worse than some of you guys. But I think he should get the nod over Canizares. I think he he feels, based on what you've uh, described him as, as the more appropriate choice. Canizares a li- little, little bit too mainstream. He's a bit too banter account as well, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, the aftershave yeah. thing. <laughs> I completely accept that. And for that reason, um, <laughs> we will count out Canizares. Diego Lopez it is. And um, a lot of our listeners agree with you too. Right, on to our defence. Not necessarily the straightforward exercise it might have been for the Serie A 11 given its freewheeling preconception of La Liga. But um, there's still plenty to go at. I'll kick us off with a subgenre of La Liga player. I'm going to go, Charlie, with a dependable national team stalwart. Um, As listener Jay says, somebody who was in one of the last picks in a couple of the Spain squads for 2008, 10 or 12 
because they played for a big team. Then maybe they went abroad before coming back to a mid-table team and popping up on random European nights against Premier League teams. For example, Raul Albiol. See also Carlos Marchena, Ivan Elguera, Abelardo, Rafael Alcorta. I don't know anything about these players particularly, but I feel like they all... <laughs> Roughly yeah. the same sort of man. Yeah, and I mean, Cap de Villa, wasn't he famously in the Spain World Cup winning team, the only one who didn't play for Barca or Real, which also prompted the immortal Mark Lawrence and I, he's also no good, which which for that alone, I think he, he deserves some recognition for, <laughs> for giving us that bit of gold. Um, yeah, I think that's a great subgenre. The, the other subgenre I had was, uh, I, I think that late Barca team, uh, of the 90, late 90s Barca team, which also had a big championship manager crossover for a lot of people, like Sergi and Ferrer. And I think Ferrer then became a Revista pundit, which sort of burnishes his credentials uh, as well. So I'd sort of chuck them in. Did you mention Diego Godin? Because that Atletico team, that's more recent, but they were they, they felt very La Liga of that moment. And a uh, Norodin Nabet was another name because we will get onto that Deportivo team and he, uh, yeah, he was prominent in that. We've got to be careful not to get too Premier league here. That's all I fear. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay. Joan Captavilla, Jack, seems like a shoe-in at left-back. The only spanner in the works at left-back are anybody with, with the word Fran in their name because there's lots of those. There are at least two Juan Frans, mm. uh, neither of whom... I would be able to tell apart. Um, so it, it's between those two, really. I've got the Deportivo Fran, who memory suggests he was a winger, but I honestly wouldn't put any money on that. So Wikipedia Cap- confirms that he was okay, a winger. Fine. Yeah. Uh, Cap de Villa was the only left back I had, but right back, right back, there's an absolute bounty. I mean, you're... Ooh. Jesus Navas came up a lot in the replies. He's a, a bit too a bit too well-travelled for me. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Premier League. Of time at City. I don't think of him as La liga at all, I have no. to say. So uh, the other two I had were very, very La Liga. So Manuel Pablo, the least interesting member of the Deportivo successful side. Just like a man, <laughs> the, just pure right back, but in the kind of era of right backs when they did nothing. Like right. Not even sure he could pass further than six or seven metres. Uh, but like three or 400 appearances for Deportivo, probably not that good, perhaps. And then Coque, like the, the C Coque, not the K Coque. Right, less familiar. Kind of just been like a jobbing, play anywhere, slightly dirty uh, player for well, as long as I can remember, really. Charlie, all I have at right back is Jocelyn Anglomar. Yeah, good shout. I mean, that Valencia team, I'm sure, will feature and he... He was part of that. Yeah, I, th- I think I just for me, maybe this is my ignorance, but those ones, Jack, might be a little too obscure that you've mentioned. I did want to that- say. <laughs> that, that's why I think someone like Ferrer, and I know he played a little bit in Chelsea, but um, it's maybe a bit well known. But We'll take him on, the, on his punditry basis alone. So, okay, so that's our fullback sorted. But at the heart of the defence, I want, I want someone who's pure defender. It, I, it, it, he, it can't be too kind of comfortable on the ball I want them to be fairly stoppery but without being outwardly sort of aggressive but maybe Godin sort of maybe Godin sneaks in on that base and his, his little kind of flirtation with the transfer rumour gossip columns as well so it's really a toss-up between all the other very similar sounding uh, Raul Albiol <laughs> done brilliant before we leave defenders we did have a twitter comment describing Carles Puyol as the most Mediterranean man Mediterranean looking man ever and I couldn't disagree more with that no, yeah, yeah. I think he looks unbelievably un-Mediterranean. 
It's like Hungarian, like if anything. Straight in from like Norway or something. Yeah, I, I think we're probably verge. I mean, there, someone else suggested that we should. We've got to be careful for this not to turn into a Real Madrid Barcelona combined eleven. There was no danger of that. If anything, <laughs> mm. we're biased against them. Uh, yeah. For, for you know, just for, you know, low key hipster purposes. So I'm happy with that um, back five so far in goal: Diego Lopez and a back four of Albert Ferrer, Joan Captavilla, Diego Godin, and Raúl Albiol. Now into midfield. Um, three midfielders we want, I think. Um, first name on the team sheet, almost, Charlie, Joaquin. Not just for longevity, but also because you know, he had that place in the in that sort of slightly cult Betis side of the late 90s alongside Denilson. But before you go on, surely not in a midfield three. Don't worry about tactics, Jack. Don't worry about tactics. Okay. It's just names. <laughs> I can it, see it's you're like, not. Yeah. It's like Garth Crooks. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Trust me. Only Coxie would care about this and nor should you. Uh, Charlie, I'll back this up with um, a message from Borky, who says, My brother used to watch Revista de la Liga religiously when he was unemployed. Says Joaquin came to mind for sheer longevity and Aspas, Iago Aspas, for being such a baller in Spain and anonymous in England. Um, my question here is... Revista was only on once a week. <laughs> Let me tell you, they, 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 they'll put anything on during the day. I'm sure it was on on a regular basis. Does that mean he watched the repeats as well? And the late night ones? Good Lord, sorry. I, I, I found myself watching the other day, in the middle of the day, uh, an hour long, or maybe, was it an hour? About a half an hour long programme on Sky, purely Duncan Ferguson's Premier League goals. <laughs> I'd say that's mid-rate. Is that the 100 Club? I, I think it's I'm not like, sure he's I, in the 100 Club. I was going to say. It's just, it's just like legends, Premier League legends, all of all of their goals sort of thing. Yeah. I, love, I love the way Adam's doing this. Like he hasn't spent so many hours during the middle of the day watching Premier League years. I don't do that Come anymore. On. I don't. I don't. I, don't, I very rarely do that anymore. Uh, right. Uh, Joaquin... I mean, there's nothing more to say. I mean, he, he's pure he's pure La Liga. He hasn't probably hit the consciousness beyond that enough, Jackie. I don't think of him as a Champions League footballer. I don't think of him as a Europa League footballer. I certainly don't think of him as a particularly uh, prominent international footballer. Um, so he's got to go in there. He's, he's, he's like, I don't know, like the Milner of La Liga, but a bit more attacking. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. His, his most famous non-La Liga contribution was being the guy who was penalised for putting the cross in. The cross, the yeah, against Korea. Against South yeah. Korea. So like that's, he did then that's, miss the penalty, didn't he, as well? Wasn't it one of those possibly. where he should have had a moment of glory and then missed a pen? But that was like 21 years ago. Also, I mean, I have, any, I have a lot of admiration, Dave, for any young wingers who by definition are quite, you know, peripheral going on to have 20-year-long careers and, and becoming really, really de- dependable players, essentially in the same position as well. So for that reason alone, I think he's, he's justified. 100%. And uh, he, he, goes, he goes in the team for me purely on the basis of an exchange that I had last night, actually, when talking to a friend who's a, a, a big listener of the pod. I said, oh, we're doing the uh, La Liga, pure La Liga 11 tomorrow. And he just turned to me and just went, Joaquin. Just, just on a personal level as well, I, I've invoked his name probably twice in the last two months. So my son is called Joaquin, which is Portuguese, ends with an M. So when my wife has to explain this name, she goes Joaquin Phoenix, but with an M at the end. <laughs> I go, you know, depending on the social situation, but you judge it. I go, it's like Joaquin, but with an M on the end and pretty solid recognition there. Joaquin, <laughs> just like, you know, like that guy who posed with the Copa del Rey with his cock out. You know, that one. <laughs> Right. Next midfield subgenre for you, Charlie. Um, this came from Brady Frost. A Premier League flop 
who after an unspectacular spell at a mid-table team, has, whisper it quietly, become one of the best players in the division after returning to Spain, Mikel Marino. Bonus points if he has a great anecdote about his time in England when interviewed. I can throw also into the mix Borja Valero, the aforementioned Iago Aspas. More on him later, no doubt. Is there room in our three-man midfield for a player like this, or have we gone too niche? I don't... Yeah, maybe. I mean, I also... There are a few of my attackers who fit into that category, uh, which we'll get on to. I, I, I think, like, for me, there has to be one of those Valencia midfielders in who, again, Jack was saying before about, you know, trying to sound like you knew what you were talking about football. I have such a vivid memory of talking to a friend of mine when I was about 15 and saying... And talking about Ruben Baraka and David Al, David Albelda. And obviously... Pure, that was just purely from what they were saying on Revista that actually, you know, it's not about the Galacticos. It's about, you know, these solid operators for Valencia. So I, I think that has to be a priority above that subgenre. But unless we find a third midfield category, there may be room for both. Maybe. Um, Jack, I mean, there are room for Zidane, Pavons in our midfield, but um, there were no fewer than 11 shouts um, this morning before we recorded for Ruben Baraka, who otherwise doesn't doesn't evoke much for me, but I, I do like him as a kind of the epicentre of this particular kind of functional midfielder situation. And it also spawned this anecdote from No Totino Party. He says, I once met Ruben Baraka at the Beatles Museum in Liverpool. A gentleman. Valencia <laughs> were playing at Anfield that night. He asked where I was from. And upon hearing Sheffield, he gave me an enthusiastic Paul Whitehouse-esque Chris Waddle. <laughs> <laughs> Very wow. Nice. Well, well, I, the streets will never forget. We're going to have him on that basis now. Yeah, that's lovely. I, I will give you one name from each of the categories you both mentioned, though. So, like, your briefly played in the Premier League, returned to La Liga and was amazing. Danny Parejo, ex of QPR, very good player now. And the, like you mentioned in your tweet, the, the kind of the Sid Lowe eulogy. He's very Sid Lowe eulogy. Everyone gets one eventually. Oh, lovely. Like, yeah. And yeah, then These Monday columns write themselves sometimes. And then Charlie's suggestion of someone who, you, like a name you heard and you kind of pretended to be. I, I had a book, like you probably get it from WH Smith. This is back in the day, like before I even knew what world soccer was, like stars of the 98 World Cup pre-tournament. Yeah. And they've been very generous by spreading out throughout the country. So they you know, uh, got a lot of, you know, random players from South Korea and stuff. But Hulen Guerrero, like the, the athletic Bilbao midfielder, and just like the most good looking footballer I've ever seen. No, like not, not handsome, pretty, like just a, a very pretty man. And I would, yeah, just read probably about good free kick taker, scores a few goals. And I, I can remember being on the fields of Deveron, my village in Cornwall, <laughs> pretending to be Hulen Guerrero. Okay. I, I mean, I was a complete twat, but yeah, I would like to <laughs> nominate him on that basis. What a player to pick at that age as well. That is astonishing. Prettier though than Guti, or as Jerry Armstrong would put it, and love to remind us, Jose Maria Gutierrez. Well, and there was also a cutie from Goody. It was one of his favourite expressions, wasn't it? <laughs> when he'd, he'd do a nice pass. Or that constant, you know, the back heel that... It's so often I mean, another another name in this sphere, Juan Carlos Valeron, who was part. He was the poster boy for that Deportivo team. I loved him again. Talking about like being a twat, like uh, he was the one I would. I remember there was the 2002 World Cup and Spain, as they always did, flopped. But I remember being so going on about him before the tournament and how good he was going to be and how he was going to light it up. 
but and, he, yeah, and, he was brilliant. And, and so and so clearly would have been frowned upon in the Premier League as well. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. anti-Premier League, Juan Carlos Veleron. I, I like him as our big Deportivo pick. And I also like him, Charlie, because our midfield is looking a little bit pedestrian. I feel like we need we need a mercurial talent in there. Mendieta, I feel like, transcends La Liga. Is that mm. fair? Yeah, I think so. And he was probably was on the, he was on the cusp of our Champions League eleven, if not in it. So I feel feel like we yeah. can't have him. Yeah, and we've got Valencia representation potentially, and I think yeah. he was a bit more that like he wasn't like these other Valencia guys who kind of were more La Liga based. He was he was bigger than that. Yeah. Okay. So I think we've got a nice cross section here. We have to have Joaquin Ruben Baraka, who is kind of the epicenter of our functional central midfield engine room situation. Right dark horse in that respect. And then, as I said, we needed that mercurial talent. So let's go with Juan Carlos Valeron at the tip of that. Um, sad, sad perhaps to an extent, Dave, that we couldn't find room for a Simeonian henchman in there. Coke, perhaps. Mm. Um, yeah. But I, his time will come. Yeah, I am. Yeah, it is a little bit. We, we haven't got anyone really from the sort of current modern vintage. We are sort of harking back, which is, I suppose often the way with these things really but no, no Guti I mean I could do a whole podcast just on Guti so he I'd be happy to have him in there but he's I mean I won't talk about the tactics of this team <laughs> <laughs> we could go 4-4-2 Gu- Guti's not massively current though no I mean he's but no he is, more but he is but he is he is pure La Liga isn't he is he not and and I'm also conscious that as you said we are light on Barcelona and Real Madrid mm. All right. Sh- shouldn't ignore them completely, should we? All right. Uh, in case, just in case Jack might burst into tears, let's get Guti in, um, and we'll go four four two. The striker, the striker debate won't be harmed as a result. Guti's fine. I, I, I agree that he is more La Liga than he was perhaps Champions League in Real Madrid context. So um, okay. There we are. So who, who have we got so far? In goal, Diego Lopez. Back four of Alba Ferrer, Jean Captavilla, Diego Godin and Raul Albiol. And a midfield four now of the much-trumpeted Ruben Baraja, Juan Carlos Valeron, our luxury shout, Joaquin and Guti. Oh, such a clutch pickup, Dave. I was worried we'd bring back the same team. I meant those blackout motorized shades. Blinds.com made it crazy affordable to replace our old blinds. Hard to install? No, it's easy. I installed these and then got some for my mom, too. She talked to a design consultant for free and scheduled a professional measure and install. Hall of Fame son? They're the number one online retailer of custom window coverings in the world. Blinds.com is the GOAT. The GOAT. Go to Blinds.com for 40% off site-wide. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Welcome back to Football Clichés and the pure La Liga 11. Let's run through our team thus far. In goal, 
Diego Lopez, nice wearer of gloves. A back four of Albert Ferrer, Joan Capdevilla, Diego Godin and Raul Albiol. In midfield, Ruben Baraka, a much trumpeted Ruben Baraka. Uh, luxury choice, Juan Carlos Valeron, uh, longevity merchant Joaquin and the uh, unignorable Guti. But now the fun part, our forward line. Was going to be three forwards. Now we've just got a strike pairing. So much to go at. I'll hit you with my first subgenre, Jack Lang. Borky's back in touch. He says, I hope there's a mention of the subsection of Spanish strikers who were prolific in Spain, but struggled in England. Soldado, Negredo, Aspas, all, all arrived at the same time too. Similar questions in the midfield. Do we have space for this? Or are there more pertinent choices we have to make? Well, we didn't go for that option in midfield, which does give us a little bit of leeway up top. Uh, certainly, certainly feel there is space for that kind of player, like a, a striker who whose skill set seems very kind of La Liga focused. Like I was convinced that Saldado would be a good player for Spurs, and even as you know, his first six goals were penalties spread out over about a twelve month period. I still thought he's got it in him, and you could even go non-Spanish. That like Diego Forlan is a fantastic. He's very La Liga in that that was kind of. Uh, again, another redemption story looked absolutely haphazard at Man United and suddenly, you know, becomes a European golden boot winner. I also feel, though, Jack, that Diego Forlan, I can't I can't think of his name without it being backed by Vuvuzelas. I, th I think of him as incredibly World Cup 2010. Uh, might be alone in that, but that's enough to rule <laughs> him out. Um, Charlie, what I am going to say here, perhaps to continue the low-key hipster theme, I'm willing to rule out all the kind of high-level, sub-messy Ronaldo strikers uh, Iguain Benzema, who's basically Champions League now anyway. Morientes, Morata. Mm -hmm. I'm happy to, to leave yeah. them out of the equation. It's boring. Yeah. They, they, um, they, yeah, they weren't on my shortlist, those guys. Okay. Um, too big. I'm going to insist on this, though. Regardless who else goes on up front, I'm insisting on this, mainly because of this superb tweet from Jonas Spilderjordet. He says, you have to have one of Raul Tamudo and Diego Tristan. I can't really tell you who's who. That goes for almost every 15-goal-a-season striker for Deportivo, Zaragoza, Sociedad, or any team playing in white or blue, really. I mean, he has <laughs> yeah. nailed it. He's nailed it. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, that's super. Raul Tamudo and Tristan were both on my list. I also, there were a couple of really nice strike partnerships at this time. Tristan and Roy Mackay, mm. who, like, they, they were both brilliant. Do you remember that Sociedad team? They came second in 2002-03, and they had Nihat and Darko Kovacevic. And that as well fits into that um, flopped in the Premier League, because Kovacevic was at Sheffield Wednesday. Amazing. So ba good. Barely made a mark. His next two clubs were Sociedad and Juve. Another one like that, and I don't think he should be in, is Canute, who was kind of, you know, seemed a bit not cut out for the Premier League and then was brilliant with Sevilla. And then another kind of rant, Barcelona had a couple like Saviola and Sonny Anderson, slightly different eras, but ones who only really knew from a league and a bit chat manager. Exteberia from Athletic Bilbao as well. There are a few shouts for Bilbao players. He He's another one I know nothing about. He had curly hair, I think. But uh, yeah, very La Liga. There's, there's definitely a whole other category of kind of Basque strikers who look like their faces have been cut out of a quarry um, <laughs> and tend to only start scoring when they're like 36 or something. So you've got Aritz Adarith, Yes. Ismail Uzais. Yes. Yes. Imanol Aguirreche. Oh, superb. I wouldn't be able to delineate between those three if they were all stood in front of me, but their Wikipedia pages are definitely kind of just like dribs and drabs in a late career surge when they become kind of Basque legends. <laughs> right. Like, uh, you know, 
picking up from your quarry point, let's excavate this because I think we're onto something here. I want I want one of my strikers to be giant and or veteran goalgetter. Uh, in particular, Aritz Ajariz started a mini bit of discourse amongst our listeners. Mike Hull says, um, we've got to have a journeyman striker who's played for at least four middling La Liga clubs, made his Spain debut late in his career and appears in the group stage of a major tournament despite no one outside the Iberian Peninsula having ever heard of him. <laughs> Welcome to the party, Aritz Ajariz. George Hall... Like this, Adjuriz, the Spanish Di Natale, like it. However, Eric Van Dress says Adjuriz is perhaps a bit too Europa League. Is he? I don't know. He's, he feels very Sid Lowe column and that's enough for me. Was he in the team that uh, was managed by Bielsa and beat Man United in the Europa League? Or was in that like 2011? It's going to be one of yeah. them. That felt more Fernando Llorente. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he's in the list as well. It's annoying. That's true. Um, that team, that yeah, that was a, a very La Liga team. But as they show by Beats United, maybe they were they were bigger than that. I, I like Adjuriz here. On that theme of kind of giant, very La Liga-y strikers, Canute perhaps too Spursy, uh, Ljubislav Penev, um, and... Uh, who astonishing goal record in Spain, by the way, by virtue of just being absolutely massive and being picked for the national team by his dad. Nikola Zigic, not prolific enough to be in our team, no. but and, and two also two League Cup final 2011, yeah. isn't he? Yeah. 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 Um, the <laughs> aforementioned Darko Kovacevic. A uh, little fact for you here, Charlie, on that note. 116 Serbians have played in La Liga, the sixth most represented foreign nation. That is quite interesting, but not quite enough, perhaps. Adjuriz is going to be our target man, or at least our our spearhead. Jack, I feel like we can broaden horizons here a little bit. We, we do have space for a foreign name, Roy Mackay, perhaps. And he fits into another genre, which is um, like random Pichichi winners. Salva Ballesta, Juan Antonio Pizzi, Diego Tristan, Danny Guitha. I think one sort of one season wonders, uh, to a certain extent, are, are quite ripe for our team. I, yeah, I hear you. I think some of those names, for me... Tristan and Mackay are two Champions League. I agree. Because at like, least one of them has a record for scoring like in seven seconds or something yeah. like that. So, okay, they're Tr- going out. Tristan is like uh, troubling Man United's third choice centre-backs for like five seasons in a row. Like just, oh, David May can't, to get, can't get to grips with Diego Tristan. <laughs> Excellent. Roy Mackay is like scoring against Bayern Munich after three seconds or something. And I would say Danny Guitha, he's too turkey. Like he's, yeah, I, he's, I thought that as well. I think it, that is a great yeah. shout. That's why you're here. Yeah. That's really good. I saw that suggestion. I thought I, I think of him more as uh, Turkish Super League. But I bet he's only still like 31 or something because he was the kind of player that you'd look him up after he... Was it Euro 2008 he played in? Yeah. Yeah, that's where he played. He, he came on. Didn't he score in the semi-final? Came on as a sub or something. He was just a big lump, wasn't he? Charlie, which which one-time Pichichi winner spent six games on loan at Bolton Wanderers in two thousand and three? W- was it Salva? I don't remember it him was. being there. Was it? It was. Um, won the Pichichi with Racing Santander in 1999-2000. Similar sort of era as Christian Vieri and Jimmy Fuller Housebank spending one season at Atletico Madrid being amazing and then moving for no reason. <laughs> That's uh, nice. A, just, goal, a just, goal again. Just briefly bringing you back to Danny Guitha. He is 43, but according to Wikipedia, still playing for CD Rota, Club Deportivo Rota. They are in currently placed in Tessera Division RFEF Group Ten. <laughs> Group Ten. <laughs> so Just still loves going. Loves it. Just loves banging the goals in Danny Guitha. 
still trying to get into our team by the looks of it. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I mean, there's Raul Tamudo as well. Yeah, he he oh. does feel... Tamudo great Raul Tamudo very good but it looks look like a little hamster which is a great combination with the big Basque <laughs> <laughs> the big the big man little hamster one thing I would say is there is an opportunity here for us to you know we've got a team of you know we've obviously avoided Galacticos your Messi's your Ronaldo's etc for good reason but we do have an opportunity just to sprinkle a little bit of stardust, stardust. Is there anyone is Guti, is Guti not enough? In Maybe he is. Maybe he is the stardust. Yeah, he's the Real Madrid. He, he's, he was quite man. glamorous and was part of that. I just uh, think if you, Galactico's if era, early if, early days. If you're top tier La Liga, that you're essentially Champions League, given their, their stranglehold in the latter stages of of the top table of European football. It's it, it's too much of a. I don't know. I mean, Samuel Eto'o, for example, mm. but then he won the treble with Inter, and then. Played in the Premier League, and he's also quite African Cups of Nations as well. So I don't. I, I think Raul Tamudo is is great for this. I mean, the the other another player we have, he's not a striker. Danielson, um, he's he's more of a winger, I suppose. But he Alfonso. Alfonso, oh, yes, that was the Alfonso's two year. He's two Euro two thousand though, isn't he? <laughs> Oh, that Yugoslavia game. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But yes, he was he another is. one as well who exact like Guerrero Jack. I remember being like, oh, he's a, I don't think I'd ever seen him play, but he just sounded really good and he was really good on Championship Manager. Pedro Munitas is another Pedro name. Munitas, kind of... Oh, he yeah. came up a lot. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I do like him as a little diminutive little this so left-footed, like pesky. the most left-footed human being. Possibly. Well, like Vicente, who is another very left-footed left winger. Who he went to an English club. He was at he Brighton, Brighton, wasn't he? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I do like those little unscheduled stops. Oh, fuck it, Pedro Minitas, Dave. That's who we're going for. Whoa! <laughs> he was at Real Madrid for a few years as well, wasn't he, Minitas? There's your stardust yeah. then. That's <laughs> yeah. fine. <laughs> who was the guy who played for Alaves against Liverpool? Oh, what in that five-four UEFA Cup, UEFA Cup final two thousand and one? Yeah, because it was the his name is on the tip the of my tongue. And he sort of got into the Spain squad on that basis. Javi Moreno. Sort of poor man's Munitis, despite being five foot eleven. Munitis is fine. Enough, enough of our listeners said it. He's quite a, a satisfying name to read out. We haven't nailed it, but that's that's the strike <laughs> partnership we've gone for. Um, that also means to satisfy Jack, you could move Joaquin up to play as a right winger I with uh, Munitis as yeah, the left that's winger. Good. Yeah. Finally, our team is actually starting to gel, just as we always wanted it to. Right then, let's run through. This lovely 11 of ours. In goal, Diego Lopez. Back four of Albert Ferrer, Jean Captevilla, Diego Godin and Raul Albiol. A midfield three, after all, of Ruben Baraka, Juan Carlos Valeron and Guti. And up front, we've pushed him up, Joaquin, to feed Aritz Adjuriz and Pedro Munitis. A lovely balance to this team, both era-wise, feet-wise, tactics-wise. Lovely stuff. Um, but we're not done yet. We're not done yet. Who's our manager? Um, two options here, Jack. We could go super historic and pick some British bloke with a very 1930s name. <laughs> or we can go super modern and someone wearing atrocious jeans, like the worst jeans possible. Which one are you going for? <laughs> Give me a name for that second group. <laughs> I don't know, but I've seen it many a time. <laughs> I was going. I was thinking somewhere in the middle, like a... Like a Jose Antonio Camacho. Couldn't he tell managed the national team, didn't he? Which I don't know yeah. if that counts against him. Maybe most of them did. 
A lot of them did. I mean, it's, it's, it's a very Hollandy situation. They all get a go in the end. <laughs> Javier Clemente, oh, you know. Yeah. yeah, again, again, they're going to have a Sid Lowe column on a Monday. They're going to have it. Um, here's a little curveball for you, Charlie. I'll read out this paragraph. In Spain, British manager X became known as XY. Oh, yeah. Is that Terry Venables, El Tal? No. Oh. Because there was a common misunderstanding that his middle name was a Spanish-style paternal surname. So much so that I think it was Championship Manager 2001-2. They wrote out his name in full, including his middle name, and you could and you could look him up as a manager. You can give up whenever you want. I'm so cu- Yeah, tell me. I'm so curious. Uh, the answer is John Benjamin Toshak. Right. He was known as John Benjamin in Spain. Huh. Uh, and I quite like him as our manager, by the way. Um, just couldn't couldn't stop coming back to La Liga and having one more go. <laughs> and uh, presided over an insane Real Madrid team in 1989. 107 goals. And I do remember being very young and sort of finding out that he was the Real Madrid manager and it slightly blew my mind that he was yeah. Welsh. Swansea, Sporting Lisbon, Real Madrid. Amazing. <laughs> just amazing career trajectory. So stick him in some bad genes. And that's it. He's our manager, John Benjamin Toshak. Charlie, was your surprise like kind of the same level as finding out Real Mint Royale or bigger? Similar, really. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Both kind of mind-blowing. <laughs> but one thing is, Jack, once he's learned it, he'll never forget it. He's, he's good like that. Which, that's the thing yeah. with Echochere. You, you will only ever make one mistake. <laughs> right. I still need a stadium. Uh, I think Spanish stadiums are a particularly specific art form as well. Um, Jack, our stadium has to be named after our long-serving president. So I guess in a podcast sense, that's our executive producer. So I'm going with Estadio David Caminante, which is Spanish for Walker. That's (laughs) very nice. Yeah. But it also needs to have a kind of um, nickname for the fans that they call it more colloquially. Um, So Jack, could you think of a vaguely rectangular slash box-shaped object that could conceivably be used for a quaint stadium nickname? The shoebox. I think is a solid. El Caja de Tabatos. <laughs> I do like that. All I had was El Microondas, the microwave. <laughs> well, that's good though, because that has like, you know, the kind of the the heat pressure connotations. From the fans. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, one thing's for sure, Charlie. Our stadium has to have a ludicrous trophy room, like more trophies than they could ever have won, but somehow still in that room. Yeah, I mean, the, the Riazor, or Riazor as it's probably pronounced, was always a great one, as a great stadium and felt it felt a bit scary to go there. San Mamés, I mean, yeah, the Sanchez Pijuan, however that's pronounced, uh, feel, and, and again, even now, uh, seems to have the kind of pitch you were describing. Yes. Yeah, so 2023, strange. lads. What is wrong with their grass? I don't get it. Maybe maybe it's just too much sunlight. That's is it the heat? It, yeah, much. I mean, Seville, yeah. famously hot. The grass in Spain, like just, just normal grass, like on the side of the street, it's all very spongy, isn't it? The problem is that the rain in Spain. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, but I think we, we do need to have a bit of narrative to our stadium. Like the, the thing that I thought of, which again is the most Sidlo thing imaginable, the kind of Villarreal slash Ibar thing, like two thirds of the residents of our town have to be mm. season ticket holders or so yeah nice so we do yeah. need to be located in quite a small regional capital absolutely we are definitely and that's true actually we haven't really talked about Villa, above our weight we haven't really talked about Villarreal that that team had quite a lot of La Liga vibes about it maybe a bit mm. late for our purposes mm. do uh, we do we have a uh, smaller second stadium where the B team play so if, <laughs> if we've got the shoe box then that could be called the match box perhaps uh, <laughs> nice. okay hold on uh, yes, our, our our reserve team. 
uh, play at the El Cajita de Serias, um, which which is fine, uh, absolutely fine. Um, uh, let's have a referee as well. Uh, got two <laughs> names for you. Um, my favourite Spanish referee name ever, which is Carlos del Cerro Grande, which translates as Charles of the Big Hill. Uh, incidentally, Charlie, another word, Spanish word for hill is colina, which is the same as in Italian. There you mm. go. And Jimmy Hill once yes. famously donned. Can you, yeah. you don't don a flag, do you? You wield a flag um, in emergency circumstances. So if you are named after a hill, uh, there's a yeah. there's a disproportionate chance that you will become a relatively high level footballing official. Um, but obviously, Jack, it's actually the other bloke whose name I've forgotten. It begins with M. Antonio Mateo Lajos. Yes, him. The, the, is he two Champions League? Oh, no! Oh, he is, yeah. <laughs> Could always be Manuel Mujuto Gonzalez, of course. Either way, doesn't matter. Uh, great team. I, I, I'm happy. As with all 11s, Dave, we've nailed it, but at the same time left a little bit of regret, a little room for us to think, oh, what could have been? And that's what we want, really. As ever with these 11s, there'll be an interesting reaction tomorrow when we when we post the episode and post the 11. There will be people who rancor with some of our choices perhaps that is full-time uh, el micro ondas or in fact 45 minutes of segundo <laughs> tiempo uh, thanks to you charlie ecclesher thank you gracias jack lang de nada thanks to you dave walker for presiding over it all david caminante yourself el presidente thanks to everyone for listening we'll be back on tuesday <laughs>